It's time to talk sports. It's Hacksaw's Headlines. A panorama of the world of sports. Stories, comments, and opinions. Now, here's iconic sports talk show host Lee Hacksaw Hamilton and co-host John Riley. Who wants to talk sports on a Thursday as we head towards a great sports weekend? We do. Good afternoon, everyone. From our Dixon Line Lumber and Home Center Store studios in San Diego, this is Lee Hacksaw Hamilton with my co-host broadcasting from left field, John (laughs) Riley. We welcome you to our Thursday podcast. We're going lots of different directions. A ton of topics will be on the table. Our podcast brought to you by Dixon Line Lumber and Home Center Stores, nine locations. Been in business more than 100 years in San Diego. You got projects. They are the people that you should talk to. And by North County Eye Center. Been in business since the 1970s, serving the needs of all the people. You got questions about health care, eye care. You need glasses. You need contacts. You need special consultation. You need North County Eye Center, Poway, and Escondido. John Riley, great sports weekend ahead of us. Boy, have we come through an unbelievable three or four days in NFL and college football, too. Yeah, I mean, we first we have the playoffs coming up, and then you've been texting me that this coach has been fired, this coach left. It's just been unbelievable. Now, before we jump into topics on the table, some business notes. Monday, Monday, Circle Monday, we jump back to our regular starting time at 1 p.m. John will be done traveling. John will be done with his power lunches. 1 p.m. Monday and Thursday back to our regular schedule. Item two, when we're done, we're going to open up Fans Forum for you. John created this travesty. John, explain (laughs) how the people on our live stream can join us right after we're done. Yeah, this travesty that I created is your chance to get involved and have a comment or question for Hacksaw. Just, you know, follow along on the live stream, but if you're following on Facebook, Twitter, or YouTube, you can just type in your question or comment there. We'll see it on the screen. We'll get you involved in fans form. And if you're a sports junkie, you should join us. Hacksaw's Insiders Group he created this one, too. Yeah, exactly. You have so much sports content. We have to find ways to repurpose it. So join us uh, on Hacksaw's Insiders Group. Go to LeeHacksawHamilton.com, upper right corner, orange box. Fill it in. Drop your email there. Get on our list. Just sent out the best 15 minutes of sports earlier today. we got a lot more things planned for 2024. So just jump on board and be part of the team. And if you like sports, check my website. As John just referenced, LeeHacksawHamilton.com. It is all written. I write on it every day. If you give me five minutes time reading my website, you'll know every story there is in the world of sports on the website. And the other item, share, tell your friends who we are and what we're doing. Subscribe so you will get all the alerts. Yeah, your cell phone and everything else will be going off in the middle of the night when we post all of our stuff on our YouTube channel. John, get ready, get set. Go. We got topics. Playoffs? <laughs> we talking about playoffs? <laughs> Wild card weekend is upon us. This will be fun. Although I don't know anything in top maybe the last five or six weeks of the NFL schedule, John. We've seen so many great matchups between marquee playoff teams. But on we go to the wild card weekend. Good question. We know who got in. We know what the first round wild card matchups are going to be. Who did not get in or who backed in? Philadelphia's hit this thing in reverse gear. They are an absolute mess. 
and now they're trying to regain their momentum with virtually no time off. They have to play on wild card weekend. They were 10-1 and one at one point. Can't believe that. You know, the other teams that we thought, I really thought the Chargers were a playoff team. I thought <laughs> I thought the arrival of Kellen Moore would, uh, linked with Justin Herbert would change a lot of things. Chargers got decked by injuries. Chargers got decked by bad defense. And then they decked the head coach, Brandon Staley, and the general manager, Tom Telesco. They were really gross underachievers this season. Uh, Jacksonville, they were rolling, and they got a lot of people hurt. And now a pile of people in Jacksonville have paid the price. Doug Peterson has fired 10 assistant coaches there in Jacksonville. Indianapolis overcame all those problems during the course of the season, notably at injuries, a quarterback and a running back. Indy was right there at the brink, did not win that last game. They missed being in the playoffs. Raider Nation, I don't know what to make. There was a big emotional tug of war that Antonio Pierce will drag this team, talent laden, <laughs> talent short as it was on offense, drag them into the playoffs. They got close, but they did not get there. So I, I, I think that headline, who backed in Philadelphia? They're in big trouble. Who didn't get in that I thought should have been there? Chargers, and you say? Well, there have been a lot of quarterbacks that have been hurt. It has oh. radically changed the you know the trajectory for these teams. But how about the Vikings? I mean, they were kind of a hot team last year. They they pulled up short. But but they lost Kirk Cousins the first game of the season. Yeah, exactly. And then the the kid, what was his name, uh, that came from Arizona, and he kind of— Josh Jobs was there got, for 15 yeah, he, minutes, and that didn't work out. Exactly. So they're, they're, all these teams have been struggling. Um, but, you know, you, we were thinking— Maybe Seattle, maybe there was going to be something there. Um, I think people were hopeful that Denver was going to show some improvement with the new head coach um, and with Russell Wilson. But yeah, it's weird. The Philadelphia Eagles is kind of a conundrum. We'll see what happens in the game. Okay, we're going to preview the AFC-NFC wildcard weekend uh, just around the corner. We're also going to talk about the coaching carousel. you got a football question. Jump in now. Get on board for Fans Forum. Question, answer, statement to make. Want to hear what you've got to say. John, let's roll into Wild Card Weekend. Pick a game. Well, let's, let's go to Kansas City. It's going to be as cold as hell there, right? Miami, Kansas City. Winter weather. This is absolutely amazing. The key word of the day is not Tua time, and it's not Mahomes to Kelsey and Taylor Swift. The key word of the day when they play in this Wild Card game under the lights at Arrowhead will be Winter Vortex. Oh, my God. They are talking mega cold. 7 p.m. kickoff at Arrowhead. Projection 7 degrees at kickoff. Dropping to zero by the time the game ends. Winds constant of 10 to 16 miles an hour. Ye old wind chill will be eight below. I ask, how are the Dolphins going to throw the football in that type of element? Miami. One in five versus playoff teams. Not a good show. Dropped two in a row, and they are really banged up. Tua Tagovailoa has got a shoulder issue. Tyreek Hill continues to play through an ankle, though he's doing phenomenal things. There is no Jalen Waddell, the other star wide receiver. Raheem Mostert, who's had a career year, still can't play knee and ankle. Miami's offense is averaging 409 yards per game. But you're not playing in the sunshine anymore. It's Tua versus Winter Vortex. Kansas City, you got Mahomes, 356 yards per game passing, 27 turnovers. You got Kelsey. You can trust them. But John Riley, 
who the hell else are you going to trust? Tony, Scantling, Sky Moore, <laughs> Gray, Watson, the backup tight ends. You have to trust your defense, which is giving up only 285 yards per game. It's got 54 sacks, and you're going to trust Weather Vortex to change everything that Miami is doing. I will say this, though. Mahomes is 9-2 and two in his career at Arrowhead in postseason football. Mm. So that's Miami's Kansas City storyline, and John Raleigh says... It's going to be cold. I mean, oh. even when you're playing ball and it's that cold, the football doesn't feel it's a rock. supple. It's like a freaking thing of cement, you know? And it's going to be tough. But, you know, Pacheco is on the Chiefs, and he's a, he's a good player. Yep. And they could pass to him, but he's going to run. I think he's going to have a big day. But it'll be interesting seeing Tyreek Hill on the other side now, you know, playing for Miami in Arrowhead. But I just remember following the Chargers back in the day when you were broadcasting at Arrowhead, and it would be crazy cold there during the winter as well. We we won a game in the early 90s. We, we were a bad team at that point in time. And we went into Arrowhead and won a game. Marion Butts was the lead running back. I think Billy Joe Tolliver might have been the quarterback. That's how bad the roster was. We beat them. We played a late Sunday game in December. Late Sunday, 4 o'clock start, I guess. And it was nine degrees, and it was so cold, and the wind was whipping through that stadium, which is kind of a horseshoe in a bowl, and we beat them. They ran Marion Butts maybe 35 times, and we beat Kansas City in the Arctic, just Arctic. So I'm not so sure the issue is Mahomes and whom he can trust as Tua versus the weather vortex. Yeah, I mean, Tua's going to have a hell of a time there, and all the Dolphins are, because they depend on that timing game so much, and, you know, the cold's going to throw them off. And you get 10 to 16 mile an hour winds circling around that stadium. Yeah. And you're throwing, and the ball's doing this. <laughs> okay. Uh, tough times. Let's go to the next game in the AFC playoffs. Okay, talking about bad weather. How about Buffalo? <laughs> Buffalo Mafia versus the Steel Defense. Pittsburgh, they've had a nice little run. The run ends this weekend. Josh Allen, just explosive. Over 4,500 all-purpose yards. Buffalo's third-down offense converting 49% of their plays on third. That's a, I've never seen numbers That's amazing. like that in the NFL. And by the way, Buffalo is 7-2 at home. Buffalo is used to playing in the wind and the cold weather. And Buffalo has got firepower. They got Josh Allen's leadership and talents. They got Diggs. They got Kincaid. Uh, they got Knox. They got Davis. And they got the kid running back who's really grown into the role, James Cook. And their defense, oddly enough, has gotten better the second half of the season. They got 53 sacks and 28 turnovers. Pittsburgh, what a job. Mike Tomlin willed this thing to be decent. Hmm. That's all they are is decent. Mason Rudolph's won three in a row. But that being said, they did win at Baltimore at the end of the season. They did win in Seattle when Seattle was still in the playoff race. They're living off their defense and a little bit of improvement on the offense. Defense got 43 sacks, 25 takeaways, but no 2J Watt. Well, you know— Josh Allen, he can run the ball, man. I'll tell you what. He's going to be big in this game. Yeah, no T.J. Watt. When T.J. Watt does not play, Pittsburgh is 1-10. 1-10? So what do you think is their chance against Buffalo? Yeah. Now, so I will good. say this. Tomlin somehow has gotten his guys to go 5-3 and three on the road, which I never would have imagined. But I just don't think they have anywhere enough firepower to handle Josh Allen and everything Buffalo's got at the line of scrimmage. And like I said, they're 1-10 without T.J. Watt in the lineup. So over and out. 
Yeah, over and out. I mean, it's been a nice run for the Steelers, but Josh Allen's going to figure out a way. And by the way, why do the Bills call their fans the Mafia? They're all the way out there in Buffalo. If they were in New York or Jersey, I get it. Ah, but you never (laughs) spent any time in Buffalo, my man. Uh, Back in the day, yes, there was a Buffalo Mafia. Okay, so that's a real thing. Oh, that's the real deal. That's why they adopted it. Okay, let's move to the next playoff game. Okay, here we go. This is Browns-Texans, and this is going to be a fun one. (laughs) A great headline. Old dog, Joe Flacco. Young pup cj stroud cleveland is eight and zero at home flacco 13 touchdowns eight interceptions eight sacks five starts 13 touchdowns in five starts he wow. has really done a good job they don't have much of a running game obviously because of the loss of nick chubb they just keep on throwing david Njaku, the tight end 81 catches amari cooper's had a year a career year. Never been like this before. He's got 72 receptions this season, though he was banged up. Houston rolls in. Rookie of the year, C.J. Stroud. 21 touchdowns. Five picks. 3,844 yards passing. 63% completion rate. I don't know anybody on the planet that thought C.J. Stroud going to that team would put up those kind of numbers. Really? Now he's going to have to face Jim Schwartz's defense. Brown's defense. Everybody in the world's averaging over 400 yards per game. Pretty mm-hmm. much everybody throws it down the field. Cleveland's defense is giving up 266 yards per game. Wow. In this modern day era, 46 sacks, 27 takeaways. However, there's problems. They got three DBs that are hurt that are probably not going to play this weekend. So that's a bit of a setback for the back end of the Browns defense. And D'Amico Ryan's. Man, oh man, what a job he's done. I'm going to be fascinated to see, because they do a lot of creative stuff defensively, if they can slow down and knock Flacco out of rhythm and have him turn the sucker over, because he does make mistakes, even though he's thrown for a lot of yards in the five starts. So uh, the Cleveland-Houston just... That mystifies me. I think that's so many cool. That's a, that's a great headline. Old dog versus young pup. Well, it's exactly what it's going to be. But, you know, D'Amico Ryans is a former defensive coordinator. Sure. So he'll be cooking up some schemes for this. This is going to be great because the Browns have that, yeah, the dog pound and the loyal fan base. And the Texans are suddenly kind of better than we expected. So um, I'm really, this is going to be my favorite game. Upset in the making. I think so. I, I would agree. Hey, you're an NFL fan? Jump on board. Tell us what you think about the the AFC playoffs, because now we're going to the NFC. John, next game. Okay. You know, we talk about Packers and Cowboys. This is like a classic matchup. Uh, it is. And you got the coaches, Mike McCarthy, Matt LaFleur. McCarthy, ex-Green Bay, replaced by LaFleur, who's done a great, great job. And McCarthy's kind of reinvented himself. New coach versus ex-coach. There is quite a success record in Dallas. Uh, And this surprise of what Matt LaFleur has been able to do with that kid quarterback, Jordan Love, is probably equal to what McCarthy's been able to do in resurrecting Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott, the back half of the schedule, ever since the Cowboys beat the Chargers in L.A. in the middle of the season, Prescott has been unstoppable. Dallas, by the way, is 8-0 at home. Dak's got a 104 quarterback rating, which he has not had in a long time in his career. 32 touchdowns, only eight picks. Wow. Talk about being reinvented. And I, don't, and I don't know, in all honesty, how they Green Bay can defend C.D. Lamb, Ferguson the tight end, Brandon Cooks, Gallup the other wide receiver, and the boys' defense has got 42 sacks. So this, is, this has been a really good year with Mike McCarthy 
retaking control of everything in Dallas. As for Green Bay, what a breakout season for the quarterback from Utah State. I didn't think he'd put these numbers up. I thought he'd compete, but Jordan Love's got 32 touchdowns, 11 picks, a bunch of kid receivers that nobody knows. Uh, They're just red hot. And in his last eight games, here's a stat, Jordan Love has 18 touchdowns and one pick in his last eight games for Green Bay. Now, the burning question to me, Green Bay's kind of really come together offensively, but you're playing in the Big D. Is the stage too big for Green Bay in the Big D? And the Packers, I don't think, have a great defense. They're giving up 344 yards per game. That invites Dak to go down the field on them a lot. And by the way, the Packers, outside of the division, they're only 1-5 in five on the road. So I think this mystical story about the arrival of Jordan Love is probably going to end. Now, if this sucker were at Lambeau Field and for it's cold and snowy, might be a different story. But going into Dallas, you're not only facing Mike McCarthy and Dan Quinn's defense and Dak Prescott and all those fireworks on offense— it's 106,000 freaking people in Jerry's building. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, I think I think the run, it ends for the Packers this weekend. Well, the Cowboys are like Jekyll and Hyde on the road versus at home. Mm-hmm. So everything says the Cowboys should win this game, but we know that they choke in the playoffs all the time. So do you think there's any chance of an upset here, Lee? No, unless somebody gets hurt. Mm-hmm. I, I just think there's way too much firepower that Dak's got at the line of scrimmage. And like I said, Green Bay's given up gobs of yards. And I just don't know that Jordan Love can hang in there if it becomes a throwing contest. Now, the only thing that might change it is if they can run the football. And Green Bay's got two really good running backs led by Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. And if they can play power football, run the ball, keep the pass rush off Jordan Love, and keep Dak on the sidelines with Mike McCarthy, maybe... But nah, because I, don't, I, don't, I just don't think Green Bay's defense can slow Dak Prescott and all those wide receivers down. Those guys are going to be running up and down the field all day. Yeah, that's going to be a game. I'm looking forward to it. We move on. Next game in the National Football Conference. Boys, this is a great, great bunch of storylines yeah, here. Yeah, the Rams and the Lions, and these two quarterbacks are like swapping roles. The whole world appreciates what Dan Campbell's done in Detroit. A lot of people myself included, unbelievably pleased with what McVeigh has done resurrecting Rams football. You know, one storyline there, good headline, Stafford versus Goff. Two quarterbacks that were traded for each other. Beautiful. And neither one left on good terms. Stafford was peeved at all the losing in Detroit. It was a one-man gang. Goff felt he was mistreated in L.A. and nothing, he didn't grow as a quarterback. Change of addresses really helped. Both sides, Stafford wound up going to the Super Bowl, and look what Goff has emerged into. And then you got you got the matchup of master motivators. What McVeigh has done with a roster that needed to be rebuilt with everybody wearing name tags because they had so many <laughs> new players, that's impressive. And what Campbell has done over a three-year window of inheriting a disaster is phenomenal. Lions' first home playoff game in 30 years. Incredible. You had dark hair the last yeah, time they played sure. at home. <laughs> uh, Lions have not won a playoff game since 1992. Unbelievable. Yeah, so that's, you know, that's when gas was $2.12 a gallon. <laughs> yeah, in California. Uh, yeah. There's no doubt that Detroit's got the great balance offense led by Goff, led by Amir St. Brown, led by two running backs. I don't know if the star tight end Sam Laporte's going to play. He got dinged last week. He's got 76 receptions. What's made the Rams great? Quarterback has been upright all year. This running back from Notre Dame, Kyron Williams, has become a stud pounding the football. The Rams... 
found Puka Nakoa, uh, 106 receptions out of Brigham Young. You add him with Cup, Higby, the late arrival of the ex-Kansas City Chief receiver. Hell, maybe he should be at Arrowhead. Uh, Demarcus Robinson, who they got rid of. And they've stayed healthy, and that's that's the real intangible thing. They had no significant injuries. Uh, Rams have won seven of their last eight. So I guess to me, the bottom line, aside from all the storylines we just presented, the bottom line is Detroit's group has been together for three years, grown together, has really become dominant. Well, an 11-win season. And there's an awful lot of young guys on the Rams side around the quarterback Matthew Stafford and the tackle Aaron Donald. Awful lot of newbies. So they're walking down that dark road in Detroit, in that alley in Detroit, for the first time in their life. And you got this Lions team with all this experience and his passion play, head coach Dan Campbell. Going to be a fun game to see. Uh, I got to believe Detroit wins because I don't know if these kids who've never experienced this are going to be able to cope and experience with what they're going to experience in Detroit. Yeah, I mean, I, not in a million years did I expect the Rams to be in this position. But you got to be happy for the fans in Detroit. Um, but now, just bear with me on this idea. Oh, this is coming from left field. This is a left field one okay. here. But imagine, if you will, the Super Bowl, the Lions and the Browns. I mean, people's heads would explode <laughs> all across America. I mean, wouldn't that be a matchup? I thought I told you not to drink before we did this podcast. <laughs> now, I, Lions and Browns, that's a reach. The whole world is expecting San Francisco, Baltimore. Oh, of course. Yeah, I knew you were going to come yeah, out of yeah, left field Yeah, but you know, this is when you have the great upsets. That's what makes the NFL fun. Okay, let's go to the other game in the NFC, which I think is a weird one. Yeah, the Eagles going against, you know, uh, What's his name? Baker Mayfield. Yeah. You got overachiever Tampa, underachiever Philadelphia. Nobody could have expected this to be in the situation this situation is. Well, the Eagles have lost all these games. They've dropped five of their last six. And Nick Sirianni, last time we saw, was in the Super Bowl with that defense. And I added to the defense, and defense can't get off the field. They're giving up 352 yards per game. That defense. That's unbelievable. And they were in the Super Bowl. Yeah. So you got that. The offense is really banged up. Jalen Hurts, very limited practice. He's got a sprained finger. Luckily, no torn ligaments. Uh, A.J. Brown has not practiced this week. There's a knee issue there. Uh, they, They got injuries at tight end. And the defense has died. Suddenly, Philadelphia is not what Philadelphia was. And they're booing that football team. Uh, you know, and then and you look at Baker Mayfield. Nobody expected this. He comes from the unemployment line, and he drives <laughs> the great. bus into the playoffs. 28 touchdowns, 13 picks. He does turn that sucker over. But he's got he's got a, a young running back, or came out of Arizona State, Rashid White, who's almost 1,000 yards. Nobody could have ever expected that. He does have Mike Evans, and he does have Chris Godwin. Those two guys have caught 153 receptions between them. So I guess to me, Tampa has overachieved to get to this point. Nobody expected Baker to do this and save his career. And Philadelphia just grossly underachieved. And I'll tell you, if something happens and Philly doesn't win this wild card game, there will be bodies in garbage bags on street corners outside the Eagle headquarters <laughs> on Monday because sure. they're going to have to move somebody out of this thing has really has really gone off track. Uh I don't know if Tampa could pull an upset, but Philadelphia is so beat up on offense now with the quarterback not being a quarterback. 
and they got so many problems on defense. I guess anything is possible. Wow. I mean, you know, it's interesting that, that we, we have all these marquee quarterbacks that we talk about, but think of all, I mean, there's a collection of them that, you know, have resurrected their, their, their careers, like Flacco and like Mayfield, and there's been a few others. So it's, it's interesting. But what, what the problem with the Eagles, is it all on injuries or is there something else going on? There's something wrong defensively. And, you know, the Darius Slay, their Pro Bowl safety, has been in and out of the lineup with injuries. They've had some other injuries in the secondary. But you still look at their everyday lineup at the top, and they are so physically big and tough. And the guys they drafted, they drafted a whole of Georgia's defense two years in a row. That's right. They were all playing. Yeah. And Fletcher Cox is still playing well. It, there's something on the back end, or maybe it's a system they're running, but uh, this is, they've been abysmal on defense the whole second half of the football season, and now the playmaker is dinged. And I I just don't know whether Jalen Hurts is going to be able to be what Jalen Hurts needs to be for them to win this game. So, yeah, there could be an upset in the making there in Tampa And the game's Bay. in Tampa, yes. isn't it? So we'll see. From 10-1, and one, the Eagles were, to where they are today, a.k.a. in trouble. Unbelievable. I mean, I just it's, it's mind-blowing. Hey, our podcast is brought to you by North County Eye Center of Poway and Escondido. Comprehensive eye care, state-of-the-art technology, basic eye care to special eye care. That's who they are. Need eye treatment? Got questions? Want a consultation? Need glasses or contacts? North County Eye Center, Poway, and Escondido. And by Dixie Line Lumber and Home Center Stores. Got projects for 2024? These are the people to consult with. Whether it's inside, cabinets, flooring, windows, whether it's outside, patios, swimming pools, etc., think Dixie Line Lumber. We go from playoff games to names in the news. This has been an amazing 48 hours in college and NFL football. Yeah, I was saying, you've been like burning up my, my text messaging with all these changes. Nick Saban is, is out. This is a shocker. He woke up and decided he did not want to do it anymore. He won't tell you that he woke up and decided, I don't like what NCAA college football has become. And Nick Saban has opted out of the University of Alabama. 17 years, roll tide, 11-time SEC champion, won six NCAA titles. End of the day, I think he was really fed up with what college football has become. NIL, transfer portal, etc. He did intimate this morning that he felt at age 72 the game had changed so much that he could not handle the 14- to 16-hour workdays yeah. that it took to keep up with everything. He did say as a parting comment he wants to see the NCAA take control of all facets of college football. This was an absolute shocker. Uh, it's one of the elite programs. He's done some amazing things on the field but off the field too. He's got 44 first-round draft picks over the course of his career. He's put like 120 kids in NFL camps from Alabama. He just wants to do something different. I'll be intrigued to see where they go. One rumor was they were going to call Oregon and talk to Dan Lanning, who I think has done a magnificent job in Eugene with the Ducks. He, Dan Lanning said today, there are a lot of great football programs in the country. I happen to be coaching at one of them. I'm not leaving Oregon. Yeah, good for him. Now, there is that Alabama might look right, look to the east, 
Because who's the next Crimson Tide guy that's over there in the ACC? Double Swinney. Mm. And Swinney's kind of frustrated with what's gone on in the ACC and their method of operation. And he doesn't like the NCAA new set of rules and all that junk, too. I don't know if Swinney would leave. Would Swinney go home? I mean, he played at Alabama. He's a graduate of Alabama on the Alabama staff. So that's fascinating to see where that goes. So were you as stunned as I was when this bulletin, my phone went ding, 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 ding? Yeah, this is incredible. But, you know, if you think it through, it, it sort of makes sense because of, you know, other teams can now pay players to come to play for their te- their universities. And Alabama lost that recruiting edge. Um, so it's surprising, but it's not so surprising. But here's a name I'll throw out there as a potential. Um, what about Lane Kiffin? He just signed a mega extension at Ole Miss. Mm-hmm. Unless he's going to have stapled to the front of his resume and get a tattoo that says job jumper. Is that <laughs> he's moved a lot. Yeah, he has. But there's no there's no doubt that I, I thought it was a strange mix, but then Ole Miss was in desperate straits and they had NCAA problems. When they hired Lane Kiffin, West Coast guy, it didn't make any sense to me. Although Kiffin worked under Nick Saban. Saban right. Saban's resurrected all these coaches, these assistants, these coordinators have had all kinds of personal issues. Mm. Kiffin, Steve Sarkeesian some of these other people, but uh, I, I, he just got an extension at Ole Miss, and I don't, I don't think the state troopers let him cross the state line. <laughs> so I'll be fascinating to see where they go. So we go from college football to the NFL. Yeah, more coaches. I mean, this is Ooh. incredible. It is incredible. We knew something was going to happen in New England, and it finally did. I think the most unique thing, and you and I had talked about this a couple of last times, last two weeks on our podcast, John, was how do you handle a transition gracefully with a guy that's done what that guy's done? And New England did. Uh, New England decided they reached the end of the road with Bill Belichick. They decided to let him leave without compensation. Belichick agreed to not ask for any of the remaining $25 million on his contract. So in essence, they're parting ways peacefully and rightfully so. Hmm. Uh, I think there was a little bit of surprise because Belichick had dropped hints, won a coach, dropped hints, willing to give up power. I think there was surprise that Robert Kraft said, clean piece of paper. Uh, so Belichick, it's an era that we will never, ever see again. On his Hall of Fame plaque, they will write 24 years with the Patriots, 333 career wins, 31 wins in the toughest time of the year, NFL playoffs, wow. six Super Bowl rings, nine times in the game on Sunday, 17 AFC East titles. He says he will coach next year. It'll be his 50th year in the National Football League. I think he's going to wind up in Atlanta, and I think it's going to happen really quickly. But, you know, history will write about the X's and O's and his roster building, his teaching, his education, the Patriots way. And then this afternoon, Tom Brady texted out a message thanking Belichick, indicating I would not be where I got had it not been for you. Yeah, yeah. And, makes sense. and Brady telling the whole world Belichick was the king of creating greatness. He molded teams to take on the challenge of having to be the best team to win these games. So Brady Brady just applauded who Belichick was, not just as a coach, but as a person, as an, a person that influenced young men and his leadership. So, you know, it, it's going to be a strange feel. It'll be very interesting to see where they go. 
Hot name is the linebacker that they kept in-house. Jared Mayo did not let him interview other places. He is a defensive coordinator. He might be the heir apparent. Or Mike Vrabel from Tennessee, who just got bounced, Mm -hmm. was with Belichick, played for Belichick, and is, I think, a sharp, sharp guy. I would think those two would be fascinating to see who they hire as a general manager because they're they're obviously going to realign the whole hierarchy the organizational chart, yeah, uh, it, it'll be very, very different. And I do think Belichick is, is going to resurface quick. And everybody tells me it might be with Arthur Blank in Atlanta. This is incredible. All of these big names suddenly out on the free market. Um, now, you know, when Belichick does his press conferences, he's kind of, you know. A dour. Yeah. But is, is that really him or is that kind of an act that he pulls? It's both. Okay. Um, I've interviewed him a couple of times. I actually, it was weird. Again, I'm wired differently, so go ahead. You can bang on me. A couple times I've interviewed him, he was great. But I wasn't asking him for secrets of your formation or your defense. Mm -hmm. But you talk history. You talk football, people. You talk about talent and people who influence the game. He just opens right up. But it'd be, uh, I feel bad for the guys that cover the Patriots because he's just dour and dark all the time. <laughs> and I think, I think he struggled with the, as the game changed. Of course, they didn't have a quarterback. That's a big issue. This is a quarterback's league. Uh, but I also hold him accountable for a lot of bad drafts. I hold him accountable for being unwilling to give marquee players marquee free agent money because New England has not been that type of franchise. But in terms of X's and O's, my favorite phrase, and I had quarterbacks tell me this, you come to the line of scrimmage, you're a pre-snap read in a game against New England. Do you believe what you see? Because when you snap the ball, what comes at you might be very different from what your pre-snap read was. Yeah, I'm sure. And I think it takes a unique intellect of player to be able to play Belichick system, so he was spectacular. Now, well, the, the question: Do you think his brand is tainted because of Deflate Gate and the spying and all this other nonsense that's going on? It's going on there. Then it's probably going on other places. But no, I don't think so because he did it for so long and was so successful. Granted, Brady was the trigger man in this whole thing, and I think their record since Brady retired is twenty eight and thirty eight. Mm. But Creative genius. Just amazing. Now, we'll see if he can reinvent himself if he winds up with the Atlanta Falcons or the Washington Commanders. The other guy who vacated, and I didn't expect this, was Pete Carroll. 14 years. He had said Monday, the season-ending press conference, he wanted to coach a year 15. And he had overseen a roster rebuild. He had overseen, obviously, the big quarterback change, the Russell Wilson trade, the arrival of a journeyman, Geno Smith. They just never got this thing back together again in Seattle. It kind of blew up in their face. They took some gambles on player acquisitions that did not pan out. He kind of brought some bad citizens and troubled guys in, and it didn't work. Now, his record in Seattle is 137-89, and but they had personality issues on the field. They had salary cap issues. They had injury issues. They had hot and cold quarterback play. And once the Legion of Doom which was the defense of Russell Wilson's Super Bowl team. Once that Legion of Doom got old, the Richard Shermans of the world left the NFL. They just never replaced him with the same type of player. And then some of the people they brought in, Jamal Adams, a safety from the Jets, just seemed to be trouble waiting for happen to happen on the field, off the field, etc. So I was a little bit stunned. He wants to coach. 
you know, they said he's going to be a consultant. He wants to coach. Yeah. Now, if I'm king and I'm running the Chargers, mm-hmm. I'm going to interview Harbaugh and I'm going to interview Pete Carroll. And then I'll interview whomever else might be out there. But these guys have now pushed their way to the forefront of must-have interviews. So, fascinating. So, your response in Seattle? Yeah, I, I was surprised by the whole thing. Um, you know, Pete Carroll is a very likable guy. You oh, know, yeah. whenever he's interviewed, I you kind of have you kind of like him. But I know the Seattle fans have been really frustrated with him and some of his decisions he's been making with the team. I mean, what's your angle on that? Well, they've gone through transition. You know, it's it's honest. All honesty, Geno Smith is not Russell Wilson at quarterback. That's an issue. Yeah, uh, they they got three wide receivers. They're paying them a lot of money. Tough to catch bounce passes in the NFL. <laughs> uh, and those guys, led by DK Metcalf, have had a lot of injury problems. They've gone through a monster number of running backs. All of them got hurt, including the Aztec Rashad Penny. Yeah, they took them forever to reload the offensive line. This year, they had a good offensive line. It's the first time in about four or five years. And the defensive side of the football team has just been constant turnover, etc. And they never, ever really adequately replaced the Legion of Doom. I think he did a good job, but it's not the same player personnel roster. And I think you add into that injuries, and then you add into that some attitude issues, too. How old is Pete Carroll? He's 72 going on 52. Yeah, he does look really young. Oh, he's a firebrand. Yeah, he's storming up and on the sidelines and running stadium steps before the game, and that's incredible. He's one of the more unique guys I've ever met in the NFL. I I enjoyed my interaction with him when I was doing talk show radio, and he was at USC, and of course the job he did at Southern Cal with the Trojans for that that group of years in the Reggie Bush Matt Leinart era, just absolutely spectacular. So. We got those coaches. We'll see where this thing goes going forward. Hey, we get to halftime. Our podcast is brought to you by Dixie Line Lumber and Home Center Stores. John, let's talk for a second about projects, projects, <laughs> projects, because yeah. I can create projects. I just can't accomplish them, but I know you're a wizard at building things, but you need Dixie Line's help too. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I, I went out to lunch with the folks at Dixie Line today, <laughs> and they were telling me the story about how, um, you know, you know, Axe throwing. You ever, yeah. ever seen that? Yeah, big in North Dakota. Well, yeah, and it's kind of a fun thing here, too. And there were guys that were running these axe throwing places in Kearney Mesa, like right off a convoy, and they were rolling into the Dixie Line store buying lumber. And the manager, he's telling me the story. He's asking, Where, where'd you get that lumber? Or what do you need this lumber for? And he goes, oh, yeah, we're doing it for axe throwing. So you, sometimes you, people use lumber in the weirdest ways, but Dixie Line's got it, man. Those guys have been around in San Diego for 100 years. So you got projects. These are the people you should do business with. With Dixie Line Lumber. And our podcast is also brought to you by North County Eye Center of Poway and Escondido. From glasses to contact lenses, you got questions, problems with cataracts to glaucoma to cornea situations. They provide extensive screening programs for people of all ages. Vision test for the young, for the old in in addition to the dry eye treatment program that they have just developed. North County Eye Center, Poway, North County Eye Center, Escondido, people you should consider. 
Before we start the second half of our podcast, a couple of business items. We'll be back on our regular schedule. Monday bonus podcast at 1 p.m. Next Thursday, back our regular time at 1 p.m. When we're done talking to you, telling you about all the stories, your turn to tell us what you think. John, explain for everybody on our live stream about what we develop fans form. Fans form. People are loading up. I see John. I see the enduring. This is going to be a good name there to talk to. Um, Angel is in here. Angel always posts a lot in fans forum. He's a good guy. Kevin, Hugh, for XLRA. Uh, who else we got in here? A lot of other guys that all want to get involved. There's Jay Jacobs. Hey, this is going to be a lot of fun. You got a question or comment for Lee Hacksaw Hamilton, drop it in the live chat on Facebook, Twitter, or YouTube. And a reminder, we want you to join our new insiders group. We got some things we're going to try to roll out in 2024. Want you to register to become one of our teammates. Just go to my website, leehacksawhamilton.com. There's a big orange box right on the homepage. Just fill out that information. You'll start to get alerts from all the things that we provide for the insiders group and a reminder want you to share with all your friends text email whatever tell them what we're doing on these podcasts on youtube and we want you to subscribe so you'll get all the alerts that we're going to pass along okay so we have covered a ton in football just to jump around other places let's talk some nba basketball yeah so the board man gets paid here we go (laughs) Kawhi leonard Kawhi leonard gets a three-year contract extension 152 million that's about 50 million Million per season. It's just a bump up from where he was in the final year of his contract at $45 million. Now the burning question, because Kawhi went public last night and indicated, I took less than I could have gotten under the collective bargaining agreement. I took less to make sure that these other guys, Paul George, James Harden, will be able to be re-signed to keep the core together. The question is, what kind of price tag will Paul George or James Harden demand? Because according to the CBA, these guys could ask for as much as 55 to $60 million each Ooh. to stay with the Clippers. Kawhi said, I took less so we can hold the team together. So that is interesting. The other basketball storyline is this is a nightmare. Uh, Ja Morant, who had come off the 25-game suspension for the gun incidents, comes back and plays like a house of fire. He's averaging like 28 points per game. He tears the labrum in his shooting shoulder in an off-day workout weight proceeding. He's gone for the rest of the year. And to make it worse, today, Marcus Smart, the other star guard Memphis, he went down. He's going to be gone for at least eight weeks uh, with knee surgery. So all of a sudden, Memphis is in just a world of hurt. So thoughts on the Clippers, thoughts on the black cloud over the Grizzlies. Yeah, well, good on Kawhi because he wants to win championships. And he's already won a, you know, a two of them. He's been the MVP. And the Clippers are just so desperate to get an NBA championship. So good on Kawhi. I'm always going to root for him as an Aztec. The John Moran thing is just kind of sad. You know, I mean, right when he kind of figured it out, he got back in the league and then this happened. So, um, you know, he's such a talent, you know, so I want to see him come back and play and, you know, get rid himself of all the trouble. He'll have time off to think about it. Yeah, he's, he's going to be off the entire rest of the season. OK, we go from a basketball. We got baseball to talk about off the field. Yeah, this battle. Valley sports talk is always interesting to me. Well, as we all know, last year, the Padres lost their TV contract the week before, days before the season started, when Diamond Sports Group, the owner of Valley Sports, defaulted on the rights fee payment. 
MLB took over the Padre telecast, gave the Padres 80% of the money they were due on that last year of the TV contract. Now, there's 11 other teams that had games and rights fee payments due this offseason from Diamond Sports Ballet Sports. Diamond Sports is in bankruptcy. They're desperately trying to come up with a plan to hold on to the 11 teams' baseball rights they still have. And that includes the World Series champs, Texas Rangers, and a really good Mm -hmm. Atlanta Braves team. So they made a deal with Rob Manfred that's being negotiated right now on behalf of the 11 teams. Baseball will allow Bally to retain those 11 teams at a discounted rate for one calendar year. So that means Arizona, Texas, Atlanta, Cubs, Pirates, Kansas City, whomever, are going to get some fraction of the money owed by Bally. Major League Baseball will kick in bonus money to those teams like they did to the Padres last Mm -hmm. year. So they'll allow Bally to have one more year to operate. And then MLB will take over all 11 teams, bring them on board with the Padre package and whomever else they get to create the full streaming service that Major League Baseball wants to operate from. There was a last-minute bid that was really weird. It came from Amazon, those guys. Those guys. Amazon, at the last minute, offered Major League Baseball, let us loan Diamond Sports Ballet Sports $150 million. And then we'll negotiate with the teams going forward. And baseball said, no, we're not letting you come in at a low price and give you the right to steal all these franchises in 2025. So in in essence, baseball is going to bail Bally out this year. And they get 11, at least 11 more teams to join the Padres next year in 2025 in a whole streaming package. It's complicated, but it is, yeah. I tried to read through it, but that's that's the basis of what's going on. Well, everything is going sideways because one of those playoff games in the NFL is on Peacock, yeah. you know? And so everyone's kind of trying to figure out where all these places are streaming. Um, you know, the Padres had, a, what, $60 million in revenue from Bally's? You know, mm-hmm. and and that you know went out the window. They got forty from Bally's, mm-hmm. and then baseball kicked in the other twenty, and that was just for one year, one year only. But going forward, they're going to get less from this MLB package, right? We don't know what the dollar figure is, but yes, yeah. And so, imagine all these other eleven teams. It's it's going to be a punch in the nose for them too. Exactly. Maybe in twenty twenty five. Right. So that's that's where we are there. From that, let's talk about baseball on the field. Yeah, me and Julio down by the schoolyard. Oh. Yeah, he's back in the news. Uh, he, both are back in the news. Uh, the guy on the left is Julio Urias, the outstanding young left-handed pitcher, former Cy Young guy who sat out half the season after a domestic abuse incident. He is still in limbo. He is still on, quote, administrative leave. He is a free agent. However, the L.A. District Attorney refused to file felony assault charges against Julio for abuse of his wife in an argument uh, at a stadium after a soccer game. He threw her against a fence and then he pulled her by the hair. Uh, They've decided it is not a felony case. She does not want to press charges. It has now been flipped back to the L.A. city attorney to see if it's a misdemeanor case. At, At the end of the day, I think he gets suspended a second as a second time offender by baseball. He got 20 games a couple of years ago for a domestic incident. I get, I he, I think he gets 30 or 40 this time. Even if he never gets charged, the fact that he was in that situation and there's all that evidence and people that have testified. So I even though he's a free agent, I don't think he'll be back 
uh, for the first half of the baseball season, even though no charges have been filed. No charges have been filed against that guy, the toxic talent that is, is obviously Trevor Bauer. He says, I deserve a chance to pitch. You know what? He's 83 and 59, but he's just never showed any remorse. He indicated, yes, I was reckless for what I did. He's never said, I'm sorry for what I did. He's never showed one ounce of remorse. He's been at war with everybody. The woman who alleged she was assaulted, uh, the lawyers who said what they said, that he was going to sue the media who he filed the lawsuit against. He's dropped all those lawsuits now. He's never said he's sorry. So at this point in time, with virtually all marquee pitchers off the board, with the exception of the aces up at the top of the free agent market, no contract. So, John, you tell me. Well, I'm kind of wondering, like, if, if you were the owner of an, of an MLB franchise, would you want to sign either one of these guys? I mean, with all the baggage that they bring, is that going to be too disruptive and, and a PR nightmare and making season ticket holders upset? Or is it worth it, especially when there's such a, a lack of quality pitchers on the market? You had to put me on the spot. Well, you are the king. I thank you. Yeah. I am the franchise. Get the, get the phraseology <laughs> well, correct. If you were a king, but you are the franchise. Uh, tough call. <laughs> tough call. Uh, I, I guess I would sign these guys to incentive-laced contracts that are ironclad. There's no doubt there's talent there. There's no doubt what Urias was two years ago before he got hurt early last season. There's no doubt what Bauer accomplished. But I would sign them with the understanding, I'm giving you one year, $8 million, and I'll give you an $8 million group of incentives. If you stay out of trouble and you pitch 15-6, and You'll get all your money and you get to be a free agent because you will have resurrected your career and resurrected your reputation. Mm -hmm. You step off the line, you're going to pay me back. If you get disciplined by baseball, you're giving me money back. I mean, Bauer forfeited like $31 million of Dodger money in the midst of this 194-game suspension. So I would offer both of them. Would there be a lot of flack? Yeah, there probably would be some. But at the end of the day, hey, Anaheim— who has signed nobody, yes. Anaheim, Anaheim. one-year rentals with strict rules about who you are and how you're going to act at an affordable price, why not? Am I right or am I wrong? Well, I think Anaheim makes sense, you know, because they're so desperate for talent. But imagine if, if you were an owner and you took a risk on one of them, well, why not take the other? You know, take the both of them as a package deal because uh, there's no you're either going to upset the fans or not. And if you're going to make that move, go for it. But of the two, who's better? Oh, I think Julio's got much more upside because mm-hmm. he has already proven it. Bowers rock solid, but Bowers off center too. Yeah, mentally for sure. Uh, it's a tough call, but you know the Angels as we sit here on a Thursday, you know they cleared the thirty million dollars. From Altani's contract, they've only spent $6 million to sign five plug-in one-year rental guys. What are they waiting for? I, I concur. Now, maybe they're waiting to see if it's time to move on these guys, but they desperately need pitching. Could you imagine, though, if they took the gamble? And I think the gamble would work out at least on the mound when you give them the ball. And they did it with ex-Dodgers? Oh, <laughs> Angel oh. fans would be so fired up to have both of those guys. Okay, so if you're a baseball fan, fans form, you need to jump into this. Throw a beanball if you have to, or just <laughs> give me a high, hard one. Would you do this type of contract that I am proposing? From baseball, 
Uh, let's go to the last topic on the table. This is kind of surprising. Yeah, Tiger Woods in the news with Nike. Yeah, good good headline. Swoosh ends the deal. There you go. Nike, 27 years with Tiger Woods as it. They were the first corporate sponsorship that jumped on board when he came out of Stanford University. The 27-year contract is over. Nike, who created a lot of great imagery with Tiger Woods as Tiger took control, reinvented the game of golf. They stood by him when he was a Masters champ. They stood by him when he was involved in the mistress scandal. They stood by him in all the questions that have not been ever answered about the SUV crash. They stood by him with the surgeries and the comeback. The rumor mill out there from people that I canvassed is that Nike is going to pull out of golf, that Nike is so disturbed with the PGA LIV war, and so many clients have now been impacted by that, and Nike just may not want to do business with the guys that have taken blood money from Saudi Arabia. Uh, they praised Tiger to the hilt in terms of who he was, what he became as a player, did not mention very much about the person who was Tiger Woods, but 27 years, that's a hell of a run of endorsements. Yeah, oh, for sure. And he, he was one of the big-time guys in endorsements like 20 years ago when this whole thing went down. But, you know, all these coaches leaving, all these ends of an era, right? And this this run with Nike has been unbelievable. But he's still going to play, right? I mean, so he'll be getting – someone will replace Nike on his hat. He's going to try to play, but who knows whether he holds up. You know, he made uh, – it was interesting. I went back and checked – he made like $505 million in endorsements over 27 years, yeah. in addition to 85 career victories and all those Grand Slam events. Yeah, good for him. Phenomenal, phenomenal run. Hey, we think we have people lined up here to ask questions. Our podcast is brought to you by North County Eye Center, Poway and Escondido. You have what I had, eye problems. You need them. <laughs> North County Eye Center, Poway Escondido. And by Dixie Line Lumber, 2024 is upon us. You got projects, whether it's windows or decking or lighting, counters, Go talk to these people, the pros in the business, Dixon Line Lumber and Home Center Store. John, your turn, your friends, questions from LaField. Okay, from, well, let's go to Angel first. Angel always has a lot to offer the podcast. He says, won't be pretty in Kansas City for the Dolphins. I'm picking the Chiefs 17 to 3 in Frigid Arrowhead. Hey, Angel, I don't know if you own any winter wear. You tell me how you throw the football when it's seven degrees going down to zero and the wind chills minus eight and that wind is eight to sixteen miles an hour blowing across the field. I you know, the Sunshine Boys are not playing in Miami, they're playing in Kansas City, and this is gonna be an enormous challenge. This would be a hell of a game if this thing were in the Sunshine State, but it's not. It's it's in the Arctic that is Kansas City this weekend. Well, and figure the fans are going to be there at the crack of dawn. They're going to be tailgating, and they're going to be boozing. So the, the the crowd could get kind of rowdy when this game goes on. crowd is rowdy any time of the year, but obviously when it's cold and windy. It, this is going to be a very, very hard game for Miami. This is going to be a bitter end. I mean, if they get taken out, they will then be 1-6 against good teams this year. So how really good were they? Was it gimmicks and gadgets that got them to... The season they had, one and six against good teams, not a lot of credibility in that. Yeah, we thought they were going to be really good. And, and you're right. They've been also Jekyll and Hyde. I just don't see the Dolphins winning this game. Not at all. But like we said at the beginning of our preview, we know you can trust Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. Can you trust anybody else on that chief offense? Yeah. Well, like I said, Pacheco maybe. 
Maybe. Okay. Next okay. question. Okay, let's go here to, to Kevin. And he said, nobody saw the Pittsburgh Steelers 10-7 and 7, making the playoffs. The AFC North is the toughest division in the NFL, but the Steelers, 10-7, and 7, were five wins and one loss. The Browns 1-1 one and one, you know, in division, Bengals 0-2, Ravens 0-2 versus the Steelers. Yes, two of the four losses of the Ravens came from the Steelers. Well, I think the big question is, yeah, everybody's surprised that they fixed this thing because this thing really looked bad the first half of the season. But I just don't know that they have enough offense to compete and to keep up. And look who they're playing. That's Buffalo. That's Josh Allen. That's all those playmakers. You know, it becomes a throwing contest. I don't know how the Steelers stay in the football game unless they think they can run it. But I don't even know that they can run it consistently against Buffalo, which puts it then on the shoulders of Mason Rudolph. They're playing a different style of football. And again, they don't have T.J. Watt. And without T.J. Watt, Steel City is 1-10 when he does not play. Yeah, I mean, this is this could be a beatdown. Uh, it could get really ugly here. But what have you heard any reports on what the weather is going to be like in Buffalo? I think everything is going to be cold and maybe snowy. I don't think it's going to be bad in Buffalo as it is in the Midwest because I don't think the storms have gotten to Buffalo by that point. Wow. I mean, some of the times when that when that wind oh. comes off Lake Erie, I mean, Buffalo is brutal. It's, it's one of the few places I never did an NFL game when— I was the voice of the Chargers and Seahawks. We never played in Buffalo. And then the one year I did uh, for Compass NFL Network, we never I never heard a game in Buffalo. I played in a bunch of other cold-weather cities. So never been to Buffalo. But I, I lived in upstate New York. Mm-hmm. And, pal, you don't want to live in upstate New York in the winter. <laughs> yeah, sounds brutal. <laughs> okay, we move on. Fans form. Okay, let's go here to John. This is a, two, this is a two-parter here. And uh, John says, if the— sp- if the Spanoses were smart and wanted to make a dent in the L.A. market, they put Pete Carroll at the top of the list ahead of Harbaugh or Belichick. And then John goes on to say he's got that USC history and did a good job with Geno Smith. But no one said smart and Spanos in the same sentence. I'll sign that memo. Uh, what's their track record? Uh, so at this point in time, I would reach out. Now, everybody that I have emailed with back and forth in the league in the last 24 hours is of the opinion that Belichick is going to go to Atlanta. Now, this new owner in Washington's got lots of money, lots of cap space, but they they really need to fix everything. And Belichick is an East Coast guy. But if I were the Chargers, I would see if Belichick wants to interview. I would see if Pete Carroll wants to interview because I believe he still wants to coach. And then you still got Harbaugh there in the equation. Of course, the Raiders are in this mix because they always go for the shiny new object. Right. And Harbaugh is pretty shiny right now. Yes, he is. So th- this will be fascinating to see who winds up where. But would I hire Belichick? Yeah, I wouldn't let him be my player personnel guy. Would I hire Pete Carroll? Hell yes, because I just I believe in that guy. And hire Harbaugh, look what he's accomplished. NFL, what he accomplished at Michigan. But he wants full control. And last time I checked, John, thanks for the job, Dad, Spanos, <laughs> is still, quote, president of football operations. So that'll be intriguing to see how much power they give the new coach coming in the front door. Well, th- this has always been interesting because for the Chargers, we figured it was Harbaugh and then everybody else. But that changed because all these other dominoes just fell. Exactly. So now there's all these o- other opportunities. But th- you know, this this comment from John makes sense. You know, Pete Carroll has a a good history. I mean, NCAA violations aside, he won at USC. So the fans would be supportive of him there. And and L.A. fans might actually start paying attention to the Chargers if Pete Carroll was running it. There are eight NFL jobs that are open. And all of a sudden, all these new names have become available because everybody had wondered whether Belichick would 
exit New England. Everybody wondered whether Harbaugh would leave Ann Arbor, even though he's got this massive contract offer on the table. And all of a sudden, Pete Carroll's in the mix, too. And you got the hot coordinators. And then you got the veteran guys who have resurrected their careers, the Dan Quinns of the world. So this thing's going to happen. It'll be interesting how fast which domino goes first. But if I'm Charger man, I I, I talk to Pete Carroll because I, I think he's just an ideal fit Football-wise, personality-wise, mm-hmm. market credibility-wise. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and being in the you know the limelight of L.A. and Hollywood, he fits. But do you think Nick Saban would come back to the NFL? No. He's 72, and I think he's elected to stay away. He's, he said he's indicated he's going to be the assistant to the president of the university. He's done a lot of fundraising for Alabama, hmm. uh, and he's done a lot of stuff in the community. He built, built like 13 houses for the poor in Tuscaloosa. So he's really entrenched there. So I, I think he will enjoy his life and he'll be the assistant to the president in at Alabama. Okay. Moving on. on. Okay, here, let's go to the enduring. He says, if Harbaugh stays at Michigan, I could see the Chargers going after either Kalen DeBoer or Dan Lanning. I don't think either one of those guys wants to leave. Uh, You know, Lanning has already turned down the opportunity to interview at Alabama. Last year, he turned down opportunities at a couple of other places. I think these are college guys, and I think they'll stay. Uh, Those are kind of neat names, but there's so many good names out there right now. We'll just see what the Chargers settle on and who they might go for. Yeah, Kalen DeBoer is kind of a cool guy, isn't he? I mean, he kind of just appeared out of nowhere, at least on my radar. Um, but, uh, you know, you, we already talked about Dan Lanning making that switch. We're going to see, we're going to get surprised, I bet, in a lot of these cases. Some of these big names may end up in places we don't expect or may not even get hired at all. Well, I, I think the most unique thing is there are so many veteran coaches who have rebuilt their resume. Dan Quinn, Dallas, look what he has done. Jim Schwartz. Oh, Cleveland. Big time. Yeah. Raheem Morris, Rams. So these are all, can I have a second chance, who've now shown they went back to other places and reinvented themselves. So you've got yourself eight job openings. You might have a good 10 to 12 really quality names. You have to determine which is the best one. Do do you think NFL players um, rally more for an older veteran coach or for a younger innovative coach? Good question. I think sometimes it has to do with what you just had that left, why it didn't work and how it failed. And you want somebody different. You either want a communicator rather than a hard-ass taskmaster. You want a guy that has a relationship with young players versus an old-time warrior. Um, You need somebody that's going to fix your bloody offense. Might have had a defensive coach. I think all clubs, all clubs have different priorities and different critical needs. Players respond, though, to whomever comes in the front door because they trust that this guy is going to mold a good situation for us. Okay, moving on. Let's go to Angel. He's got Angel's comments. He got a ton of them. They're good, though. MLB on Amazon Prime would be a good idea. It'll just be like Apple TV with MLS. Plus, the Yankees are on Amazon Prime, and it's going well. You know, the most interesting thing, there was a survey just done over the weekend about the NFL games. You know, because we got this playoff game. It's going to be on Peacock, which is pay the money, watch the game. Right. So I forget which network it was, did a national poll. And this one even surprised me. Although this this is a one-time purchase for Mm -hmm. $5.99. 61% of the people said they would pay the $5.99 so they could watch 
the marquee game in the snow at Arrowhead, 61%. Second part of the question on this national poll was, would you pay to see a Super Bowl game? Now, we don't know what the price tag would be. I doubt it would be $5.99, mm-hmm. knowing the methodology of the NFL. 64% of the people said, yes, yeah. I would pay. So a lot of people think this is a trial balloon mm-hmm. to see what the response is. A lot of people kind of think, maybe fear, a couple of years from now, Super Bowl, pal. Now, Super Bowl? $199? You're going to buy the Super Bowl for $199? Because <laughs> that's NFL's all about the bank. Right. So it's it's interesting. Oh, 61 said, yes, I'd pay to watch the Chiefs and the Bills, or Chiefs in Miami. And 64% said, yeah, if it became a Super Bowl event, I'd probably be willing to pay. But we don't know what the dollar figure is, and I bet it's not going to be $5.99. Well, we're, as viewers, we're now becoming conditioned to do more pay-per-view. And and it, on one level, it sounds horrific, you know, that they're gouging us. But on the other hand, if they could, you know, break down those big cable contracts or subscriptions, you have to pay 200 bucks a month and you get the home cooking channel and all these other crazy channels like you never listen to. dog show. Shut yeah. up. Well, I like that. That's good. But, you know, a lot of these other wacky doodle stations, you, I only watch probably 20% of my total package. So imagine if we got to a point where we can a la carte and pick just the handful of of networks that we watch, that we want. Um, that could be a great evolution of this. I'm hopeful it's going to go that way. Super Bowl, baby, $199.95. Are you going to sign up? <laughs> well, if we have a Super Bowl party and everyone kicks in five bucks, we can make it work. Okay, move on. All right, let's uh, let's go here to Danny. And he goes, Hacksaw's the best. Damn right, bleeping brilliant. Thank you very much. <laughs> All right, let's go uh, over here to get some social media comments. And there was a lot of really good ones here, too. And let's go to... Here is Aztecs. Um, this is from Tony. He says, go on and laugh about UCLA losing to Northridge. The Aztecs almost lost to UC San Diego, except for a buzzer beater. But it looks like San Diego State is right of the ship, almost losing to teams like UCSD and actually losing to Grand Canyon, which, by the way, is up and coming, were probably good lessons for this year's team and not to be too complacent. Let the other team hang around. Things can happen. The whole thing here, march towards the Mountain West Conference tourney. I think that they might get dinged a little bit. Heck, they got a tough game in Albuquerque Saturday morning at 11 a.m. That's not going to be an easy game. There's a lot of good basketball to be played in the Mountain West. But I think Aztecs are tops. Colorado State, New Mexico might be in that mix. Nevada's had a good start to the season. you got Utah State. But I don't think any of them are equal to where San Diego State is. So just keep on trucking. Get to the Mountain West Tournament. Hopefully you're healthy. I think we're we're talking Mountain West champion here. And then we'll see what March Madness is like. I'm not freaked out. If I were at UCLA, Poly Pavilion, seeing what I've seen (laughs) and how the coaches reacted, Yeah. yeah, I'd be freaking out over there. You know, and if I'm across the hall at the Galen Center at USC, yeah, they got Bronny James, but that's not much of a team right now. That's a sub-500 Trojan basketball team, despite the fact they got LeBron's kid there. So I I think San Diego State, injury-free team to beat. They'll be a target on everybody's back. There will be some tough road games. There's no doubt about that. But as long as they got Ladee standing and all the perimeter guys, the Micah Parishes of the world and 
Bird and, and Miles. Then keep those guys healthy. I, this team is going to improve. I think they'll be really good by the time we get to March Madness. Now, how far they go in March Madness, that's a whole other conversation. Well, did you see the game they played against San Jose State? Yeah, I right mean, at the end, too. It, it, it was way closer than it should have been. And we missed the little chippies. You know, San Jose State was hustling for the 50-50 balls on the floor. A San Jose State, oh, lots of fouls. Uh, especially Ladee drew like, I don't know, 18 fouls or something. And then San Jose State's hitting these three-pointers, banking them in. And, you know, because everyone comes out to get San Diego State since they're, you know, the number two team last year. So this run through the conference tournament on the road is a gauntlet. and It's going to be testing. It'll test them good. But I think they're good enough to survive most of them. But I just want to make this is kind of an off the wall comment. But did you see the the floor in in San Jose yeah. with the, all the silicon chip thing going on? I mean, it was like the blue uh, football field in Boise State. Yeah, I'd, I'd be weird to play on a floor like that. It looks really weird on television. Yeah, exactly. Okay, a couple more social comments here before we put the lid on this. Okay, let's go here. Uh, this is from the original Surfer Bob. And says, I'm curious, did the Bolt fans thank the Los Angeles or Las Vegas Raiders for firing Staley and Telesco? Have they? Nobody in the Spanos family fired them. The Raiders did. Thank them. Well, the Raiders did stomp the daylights out of them and before a national audience, although their TV ratings for that game were horrible. They had a 7.3 rating for that Thursday night game. That was 7.3. You know, in the NFL numbers, we've been talking about, you know, them getting 18 million viewers or 24 million viewers for NFL games. The Charger Raider game got 7.3. So, <laughs> yeah, the Raiders, that was that was getting them to the finish line. That That's why those guys were ejected. But this whole thing is just, just never improved, never grown, did not improve as a team. And as an organization, three years in the running, did not accomplish a lot. I was on a talk show, a sports talk show in Oregon last night, and they asked me about Justin Herbert. And I said, that's a great player, that that, that that's a greatly intelligent quarterback. He's a tremendous team leader. And the organization has just never done what they needed to do, put a lot of good people around them and keep them healthy and grow this thing. They have never, ever improved on a year-by-year basis with Justin Herbert. He's 30 and 32. Can you believe that? Incredible. I mean, and and it's you know they had Philip Rivers. They've had other quarterbacks that they never felt like they lived up to their potential. But I always think it's it goes back to ownership all the time, doesn't it? It has to. I mean, that's that's the head of the snake. You're criticizing the first family of football. The, yes, the first family of football <laughs> is currently in last place in the AFC West. Okay, let's do one more. Okay, I want to get another one here. It's another Raider comment. This is from Baja Alfredo. He says, "Not a Raider fan, but they know how to party." Hacksaw, lighten up. You could use a stiff drink or two. I'm waiting for you to deliver margaritas to us. <laughs> yeah, Raiders, Raiders record. You go back, Google boy. You just go back and Google year by year. Raiders one loss record and take this sucker back into the 90s and just compile what their record has been over the last 15 years, 20 years. I'm not talking about the years in which they won the Super Bowl trophy, a.k.a. Marcus Allen, Ken Stabler and all that. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about Las Vegas Raiders and the final decade in Oakland. Total that one loss record up. Write me back and tell me I'm wrong for critiquing what the organization has become. Hey, you got a right as a Raider fan to party hardy. You got a right to get loaded. You got a right to smoke joints. I don't care. But don't tell me greatness. Greatness used to be in the future. 
their greatness is in their far distant past. Well, remember when they had that record? I know they were undefeated on Monday Night Football or something like that. Back in the day. Back in the day. Way back, back in the day. Yeah, that was when Howard Cosell was still doing the announcing. Uh, but the Raiders, they had the history. I mean, they always say the mystique. And that's a perfect word for it. But it just no longer applies. I mean, it's just not there. And I I always liked Al Davis, you know, the vertical game. And he kind of had like a brand. And I don't know what the Raiders represent anymore. I'm waiting for Baja Alfredo to go compile that one loss record of Raider football. And next week, uh, join us on Fans Forum and just give me the number of what their number is. And don't make any reference to the dusty, dented trophies from yesteryear (laughs) in the back of your garage. Hey, listen, we hope you have enjoyed our podcast. Thanks for joining us on our Fans Forum. Want you to tell all your friends what we're doing. Want you to subscribe so you'll be able to get all the alerts every time we put things up on the YouTube channel. Your cell phone will be going off at 3 o'clock in the morning. We guarantee you that because that's when we post all this stuff. We all also want you to join Hacksaw's Insiders Group. Go to my website, LeeHacksawHamilton.com. Big orange box right on the front page. Fill in the information so you'll start getting alerts. We're trying to plan some kind of unique things in 2024, so hope you will be with us. Our podcast brought to you by the North County Eye Center, Poway and Escondido. You will need help with your eyes when you do Think about them. I went there. I'm really pleased. North County Eye Center, Poway Escondido. And by Dixie Line Lumber and Home Center Stores. You got projects? Build it or fix it. We guarantee you'll enjoy it in 2024. Dixie Line Lumber, nine locations to serve you. John Riley, take a deep breath. Here comes a great sports weekend. We got playoff football we're going to cover on Saturday and Sunday and Monday. This is going to be cool, and we'll be back on Monday at 1 p.m. I'm looking forward to that, and it's going to be nonstop football this weekend. It's going to be terrific. (laughs) Hope you've enjoyed the topics on the table. Thanks for being part of our team. Thanks for joining us on Hacksaw's Headlines. Join us again for Hacksaw's Headlines on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. And find the audio version on your favorite podcast app. Touchdown, San Diego! For more content, go to LeeHacksawHamilton.com.